Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Let's Read the Bible, a podcast where we take a deep dive into biblical topics in a way that's easy to understand. If you would like to follow along, you can download the YouVersion Bible app and subscribe to the 49-week challenge reading plan. Yeah, and if you have questions, as usual, we would like to try and spend time as long as the time allows. Uh, I know last time we weren't able to answer some questions, so we're going to answer those this week. But if you have questions that come up, please feel free to send them in at infogrove.church, or you can direct message our Grove Church Facebook page. We are the Grove Church in Washington State and Marysville and Snohomish. You can give it a thumbs up as well, like the page so you can keep up with us, but also send your questions to that direct message. So as far as what resources we're using today, we're going to be using, uh, as always, the ESV Study Bible, Logos Bible Software, and then we're also using the Essence of the Old Testament, a survey by Ed Hinson and Gary Yates. So getting into today's book, we talked about it in our last episode, and uh, sorry we skipped last week. I don't think we recorded anything at all, but... Yeah, I got called out by Sandra, so thanks, Sandra. It's been crazy trying to get going from drive-in to online, back to drive-in, getting everything figured out. So so we're not going to make any promises, but we're going to record the podcast as often as we can, we yeah. promise. So and the, Thanks for your patience. The goal is every week. Will we meet that goal? Hopefully, but we'll, but we'll see. But if, if we skip a week here and there, um, we're not going anywhere. Don't worry. It's just kind of, it's a crazy season as I'm sure it is for, for many of you as well. Um, but as we hinted at in the Moses episode this week, we're going to be talking about Joshua, um, which actually makes a lot of sense because Joshua follows uh, immediately, the story of Joshua immediately yep. follows the story of Moses. Yeah, Joshua um, is the heir. Joshua is the one who leads God's people right after Moses. Exactly. So, so I love Joshua's first call. Moses, my friend is dead. You're up. <laughs> yeah, you're, That's my paraphrase. All right, kid, you're in. Yeah. The, man, the baseball Send manager the slaps his elbow. Um, but anyways, moving through, just to kind of give you some, some context of the book, uh, Joshua kicks off the history section of the Old Testament. So we have the first five books of the Bible, which are called the Pentateuch, and that's kind of the law. Mm -hmm. Those are all written by Moses. And then the next section would be, you know, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, uh, Samuel, Kings, Chronicles, Ezra, Nehemiah, and Esther are all like the history books. And yeah. it covers... It covers a lot of time because yes. it covers from the death of Moses um, all the way through to the return from exile into Jerusalem. So yep. there's a lot of time uh, covered in those books. And Joshua was the first one. Um, it's really hard to give an exact date for when it was written. Um, you know, this isn't like an epistle where we can really pinpoint it to like within a decade, which is actually incredible when you think about it for an ancient yeah, document. True. Um, but Joshua, I mean, really, there's there's a hundreds of years uh, of a of a time period when this could have been written. Yeah. It obviously takes place right after um, the death of Moses when the, the narrative picks up. Mm -hmm. If I had to put my money on it, I would say that this was probably written during the time of David. Um, so, hmm. and again, this super open-handed, I don't know, but what, what my gut says is that Joshua, Judges, and Ruth were probably all written about that time because it's the history leading up to the kings of Israel. And it kind of makes sense that those would be compiled at that point. Interesting. Um, and especially when you look at a big theme of Judges is that um, the king was coming basically and how there was a bunch of like the ending of Judges, I believe, is um, in, in, those, in those days, the judges ruled and everyone did what he thought was right. And so it kind of like perfectly leads into the the king. And then Ruth, obviously, at the very end of Ruth mentions David. So it kind of makes sense that this would be a book honoring him, maybe written during the time of Solomon. I don't know, but that's interesting. Again, I don't, I don't know when it was written myself. Um, and I don't, I don't know either. I don't, <laughs> I don't ever remember taking a class on Joshua. So, um, but I don't know if I've ever thought about that. So, that's so there you interesting. Go. I just learned something from you. Evan. If you, if you, if I had to throw money down, that's what I'd throw it down on, but who knows? Um, and then uh, it can be broken up into three parts and that's how we're going to study the book today. So there's the conquest of Canaan, which would be chapters one through 12. 
the division of Canaan, which is chapters 13 through 21, and then the conclusion of Joshua's ministry, which is chapters 22 through 24. And we're actually taking that breakdown right from that uh, the Old Testament survey book that we mentioned in the beginning. So um, really helpful resource if you're wanting to gather, um, I mean, like the book says, a, a survey knowledge over um, the different books in the Old Testament. So really helpful. Um, so let's jump into the first section, which is also... Um, I would say the most famous section of Joshua, because how many people are really excited about reading the section where Joshua divvies up the land to the tribes? That's actually my favorite part of the entire That's, Bible. Boy, I could just, just, honest. I just read that every day. It's like first the gospels, then. It makes me so excited for history. There you go. I don't know. Um, it's not really that thrilling. So there's a couple of famous passages that we wanted to read. Um, it's particularly in this, in this first section. So the first one is uh, actually, it's actually what Aaron alluded to. So I'll, I'll go ahead and just have you read that then. Uh, but it's Joshua's call to ministry by God, starting yep. in Joshua chapter one. This is how it opens up. It says this in chapter one, verse one. Uh, it says, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, my, Moses, my servant is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people into the land that I'm giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life, just as I was with you or was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Now, this is pretty famous. This is like Hobby Lobby signage right here, verse six. Oh, dang. I actually have a sign that has this on there, but it says this, be strong and courageous for you shall cause this people to inherit the land. I swore to them only be strong and courageous. Be very careful to do all that the law, uh, all the law that Moses, my servant commanded you do not turn to the right or to the left that you may be have good success wherever you go. This is the book of law. Uh, this book of law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous. Then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. This is probably a more famous version of it or verse. Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So there you go. Um, and like like you alluded to, the strong and courageous thing, it's, it's repeated a third time. Uh, we didn't read the whole first chapter, but yeah. God, <laughs> it's, um, I think it's a really good reminder. Um, and again, one, one of the big mistakes that we make when we read the Bible is we don't put ourselves into the situations of these characters, but he's, Joshua is literally being called to take over for Moses. And remember mm. the ending of Deuteronomy is like, Never before or since has there arisen a prophet right. like Moses. So it's already, I mean, it's like, thanks Moses. I can think of it like in, a, in football terms. It's like probably what Steve Young felt when he was taking over for Joe Montana. It's like, what the heck? And yep. so uh, Joshua, although to a much larger scale, because Joshua has to go to war, um, but true. He, he's given leadership over the people and he's told you need to go into this land and you need to basically conquer it. And there's a ton of tribes, there's a ton of cities. When we read about Jericho, that's not, you know, just a little village he has to ride into. No, that's a massive fortified mm -hmm. city um, with massive walls. And so all these things are happening. And so God reminds them multiple times, be strong and courageous yeah. for I am with you. Well, I think it's even interesting too. One of the things I remember um, about this, this, the, just the repetitiveness when there's a, then when there's something that's repeated often, it's, it's drawing specific emphasis and actually gives us uh, an insight into Joshua himself. Right. Uh, that he wasn't necessarily the most courageous, the most bold, the most daring. 
he actually was was in in a moment i mean gideon was called almost the same way with gideon's story just the fact like hey rise mighty warrior like who me i'm not mighty uh and so there was some self-perception issues where i don't think joshua was ready to step into those shoes from his perspective maybe uh and so god part of it is like be strong and courageous like because this is the call i mean i think back in my life when i i felt called into ministry that one call that one moment in my life has been an anchor point for for the majority of my life ever since and so those moments i question the call or i question whether i should be doing what i'm doing god always draws me back to that standard foundational anchor uh and it's similar with joshua too this is where he's called he's reminded be strong and courageous everywhere you're going every step you take uh, i've already given to you and so uh it is interesting it gives you a little insight into who joshua was as a person as a human right not as like a, a pillar in the old testament well it's kind of interesting too because joshua has been brave Mm-hmm. Um, when you think of, you know, the 12 spies that yep. were sent into the promised land. He was, was, him and Caleb were the only ones that were left from that generation yep. that was killed off. And so you can even see in that story that Joshua is already a pretty courageous man, um, but God's having to continue to remind him because mm-hmm. the task ahead of him requires even more courage, yeah. um, even more bravery than yeah. he's already displayed. Um, which actually is a great segue into our, our next section. But just like uh, Joshua and Caleb went and spied out the land. One of the first things that Joshua does is he sends spies um, into the first city that they're going to go conquer. So right now they're kind of parallel uh, to the the land of Canaan. They mm-hmm. have the Eastern tribes. I believe, I'm pretty sure some of the tribes have actually already taken their land. Um, like the East, I believe the Eastern tribes have already kind of worked their way through. That was before they crossed the Jordan, right? Yeah. Cause there was some wars with the Moabites, which we're going to get to in one of our questions, um, but coming up. So teaser, um, but so they're going to cross the Jordan from East into West. And the first city that they're going to run into is Jericho. And so Joshua sends a couple spies, uh, to head in and basically spy out the land. And so that's where we get, um, the story of Rahab, who is actually an ancestor of Jesus, which I think is really cool. Spoiler. Um, I know. Well, yeah. So if you, if you read, and that's why you should read the genealogies because in Matthew and you learn these kind Luke, of things. Yeah. There, there's, there's interesting people who are there. Um, but Rahab hides the spies. If you remember, she's um, she's living in Jericho. She's in the, one of the houses on the walls. Um, she's willing to hide uh, the spies, and she lets them down out the city. She's a prostitute, isn't she? I believe so. Yes, which it makes it all the more Harlot. all the more scandalous that she's in Jesus' lineage. But Gosh. it goes to show that uh, God uses everyone, um, even if your history is screwed up. Yeah, there you go. So, uh, and Rahab really Rahab. Speaking of being strong and courageous, Rahab does a very courageous thing to uh, basically hide these spies. It, it, she certainly would have been killed if yeah. it was found out that that's what happened. Um, and well, eventually, and I love her response to the spies. Like all, all that God has done has been heard here and it caused a, a, a kind of a chaos. And so it didn't scare her. It intrigued her and made her want to be part of it. Um, and that's right. the reason why she hid the spies. So there you go. Um, the spies come back because they've been saved by Rahab. They give basically Joshua all the intel he needs. And then the Israelites decide, all right, let's let's get this bad boy started. Mm-hmm. So uh, this next passage, I think, is actually, um, it's a really, really cool poetic callback to the ministry of Moses. And I think probably it's more important than we give it credit for. But anyways, they go to cross the Jordan. And, and this is what it says in uh, chapter 3, verses 14 through 17. So when the people set out from their tents to pass over the Jordan with the priest bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people, this is what God had commanded them to do. Uh, As soon as those bearing the Ark had come there as far as the Jordan and the feet of the priests bearing the Ark were dipped into the brink of the water, now the Jordan overflows all of its banks throughout the time of harvest. The waters coming down from above stood up and rose in a heavy heap far away. 
at at Adam, the city that is beside Zarethan, and those flowing down towards the sea, uh, the Sea of Arabab. Oh man, I should have looked up Araba. The Salt Sea were completely cut off, and the people passed over opposite to Jericho. Now the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firmly on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan, and all of Israel was passing over on dry ground until all the nation finished passing over the Jordan. And I think it's just which is a large group of people, by the way. Oh yeah, that's not. It's not a hundred people. It's it's almost it's not the Red Sea, but it's the Jordan River. So and it, it's funny because like I think sometimes this gets played as like, well, yeah, it's like Joshua's like a mini Moses. The Red the Jordan River parting is like a mini Red Sea parting, which mm-hmm. in one sense is is true. Um, but in the other sense, I think it's very pertinent that God. It's almost God reminding His people. I've got you now. Because yeah. remember, like he parts the Red Sea and he's like, I've got you. The Egyptians get completely swept away. And then it's not very long afterwards that the Israelites are like, well, Moses is probably dead. So let's worship this cow yeah, um, right. so, or golden cow. Sorry. I don't, you know, give them credit where credit's due. Golden calf. Golden calf. Moses didn't have a cow. It was a baby cow. Um, so you, I kind of see this as, because God gets really mad. He tells them basically like, okay, I'm, I'm done. This generation is not going into the promised land. You guys get to wander in the wilderness. This almost seems like the restart button is being hit and God's yeah, right. reminding his people that here's a great miracle and you need to trust in me, yeah. which we see time and time again is a theme of the book of Joshua that um, Joshua is not necessarily like this great military commander who's going through and like outsmarting the enemy, all these different things. Like the, the credit is clearly given to God. Yeah. And that doesn't mean Joshua's not a great leader, but um, you know, this isn't like Alexander the great or something. This is legitimately God is working through his yeah. people and making so things true. happen. Um, so we get Israel crosses the Jordan. Israel defeats Jericho. Um, everyone knows this story. I shouldn't say everyone. The majority, This is a very famous Bible story in the Christian community, at least. Right. Uh, where people walk around the, the walls of Jericho. What? Seven one, times. Seven times on the seventh day or something like that, but one time on the Oh, seventh. that's true. It's once like seven days. Every day for six days, they walk around at once. Seventh day was the seven times. And at the end, they all blow their trumpets. And the so they walked around it 13 times. There was a, there was a song. That I remember. Keep walking. Yeah, I don't remember. For you won't knock down our wall. Keep walking. Is that the song? No, it wasn't. For she isn't gonna fall. No. That Joshua fought the battle of Jericho. I think that was it. Jericho. I I don't remember it, but I know that that tune. I got all the I got all the kids' songs. Dude, you paid better attention than I did. Dude, I I just cared about the motions. I think I said this the last time we talked about Joshua on the podcast, but I never caught until recently that in the VeggieTales joshua thing the french peas are spoofing monty python and the holy grail when the french <laughs> guys awesome. are i was like i was i was watching i was like oh that's totally what it is so there you go fun fact for everyone yeah they have veggie tales about jo- the joshua and jericho they watch go. it um so yeah but and again take time to really think about the situations that these people find themselves in uh so joshua is getting ready to besiege this city mm-hmm. and the angel comes the angel of the lord comes to joshua and says no you're just going to walk around it and so basically all credit is not going to be given. Can you imagine trying to rally the troops? Hey guys, um, we're going to walk the walls. Okay. When are we going to fight? Uh, we're just going to walk. Okay. So like the first day scouting it out, second day scouting it out. But can you imagine the third day, fourth right. day, fifth day, sixth day? Imagine. And the seventh day. We're going to do it seven times, guys. Imagine, imagine William Wallace giving that speech in Braveheart. Yeah. We're going to walk may. around the enemy because they can take our lives, but they'll never take our freedom to walk around. Yeah. So anyways, that that's what that's what goes down. Uh speaking of going down, the walls of Jericho fall and yes, then except for Rahab's house. So yeah. God it's protects the only her. The little section the house that's in the wall there stays you go. stays structured. 
And then um, again, big theme in Joshua is that God deserves the glory and the credit for what is happening. Yeah, for sure. And so he tells them in Jericho, don't take anything. This is not, um, you guys are not a uh, victorious looting army. This is my victory and it's all going to be consecrated to me. So if obviously, everybody listens. obviously everyone listens to that because oh, why yeah, would sorry. you, why would you disobey God after um, he just parted the Jordan yeah. River, River and caused That's not the, in our human nature at all. the walls to fail? Um, anyway, fast forward. As soon as God answers one prayer, we move on to the next where he's not answering us. It's awesome. There you go. Uh, Israel is defeated by AI, which is a really small city, uh, much yeah, it's than like Jericho. A, worse than a JV team. Like it's, it's like the major NFL team being beat by a JV team. That's and, what it is. And so Joshua's like, we'll say the know, Seahawks because we're from hot country. How dare you? Getting beat by the Cowboys cheerleaders. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's a mental picture. Um, so anyway, uh, Josh, Joshua was basically like, you know, God, what the heck? Like you had a, our backs at Jericho. What, what happened here? And God's like, well, listen, someone disobeyed. And so we're, you know, we're kind of overviewing the whole book, but um, it's, they find out that it's a man named Aiken. He took- um, Don't name your kid Aiken. Also true. He took things from Jericho. They find all the stuff um, and he is killed. And then the next day, AI, boom, falls. So, yep. and that's just, again- Like a JV team should fall. A huge, team. a huge theme- of Joshua is well, that- Well, this is where like the whole earth opens up and swallows him. Is it? Him and his family, isn't it? Is it, is it a repeat of the, the Korah thing? I don't remember. No, that's a not Dang it. Sorry. I'm such an idiot. Um, so anyways, throughout the rest of this section, we see Joshua and the Israelites conquer large sections of Canaan. Um, and I actually love, this is a callback I, I found when I was reading through it that I never thought of before. But in chapter 10, when they're about to push south, uh, we get this little snippet that says, and Joshua said to them, and this is the people who were assembled, do not be afraid or dismayed, be strong and courageous, for thus the Lord will do to all your enemies tonight against whom you fight. So it's a cool callback to, you know, God's call to Joshua. Because those, mm -hmm. it's only mentioned four times in Joshua, three times in the very beginning, and then Joshua says it to the people, basically to inspire them to yeah. fight. And so, and again, you could really sum up. And that statement still inspires people today. Oh yeah. You could sum up a, a lot of the theme of the book of Joshua by saying, uh, do not be afraid or dismayed. Be strong and courageous, for thus the Lord will do to all your enemies against whom you fight. Because it's the Lord doing these things. Yeah, absolutely. So there you go. Next, we're going to get to the most exciting section of Joshua, the division of the land. Yes. This, so This is thrilling. You should be on the edge of your seats right now. Get ready. Pull out your do maps. Do not tune out either. Pull out your maps, listeners. No, it, it is actually really interesting. So um, like we alluded to in the beginning there was three tribes that already had their allotment of lands. I believe at least two, I believe had their allotment of lands and they actually go with the Israelites to help the other tribes capture the land, which I think is a really beautiful thing. So they're kind of, they're all in this together as it were. Um, but in this section, we see those tribes go home. So East Manasseh, Gad and Reuben are all East of the Jordan river. Mm -hmm. They um, got their land before they crossed the Jordan. Right. Part of their commitment was we will still go and fight with our people, with God's people to until they get their land. And good for them. And so they go back to their inheritance. And just to kind of lay out the way that Israel looks right now, uh, on the west side of the Jordan, so on the east side, basically going from the top of Israel to the bottom, you have East Manasseh, Gad, and Reuben. On the west side, if you remember in the north, there's the Sea of Galilee. And so bordering the west side of, or the west coast, if you will, of the Sea of Galilee, you have... Uh, Asher, Naphtali, Zebulon, and Issachar. Zebulon's a really good name for a boy, just oh, so you know. Also, Issachar and Naphtali, not bad. Um, I like Zebulon better. Moving, <laughs> my favorite is like when you just look at these names, because then there's like 
Asher, Naphtali, Zebulon, Manasseh, Ephraim, Dan. Uh, it's just, it was a typo. Like, they didn't really mean to call him Dan, but they just how it played out. Some of the names made it into the the modern lexicon, and some of them did not. Benjamin, um, Judah, and Simeon. There you go. Those so, are all names we used. Yep. So moving moving south. Uh, so below the Sea of Galilee, you have West Manasseh, Ephraim, uh, Dan, Benjamin, and Judah. And then Simeon is kind of interesting because it's actually completely surrounded by Judah. So it's not doesn't have any water access or anything like that. But Simeon's in there as well. And then you'll remember, I don't remember actually if we talked about this before, I think we have, um, but Levi is not given an inheritance of land uh, because mm-hmm. their inheritance is the priesthood. I think we <laughs> talked about that and when we talked about the book of Leviticus, I think. Oh, that's we probably true. a little bit, but. Yep. So there it's you go. To, it's good to be reminded because you guys forget things just like we do. Yep. And that is, um, that's that section of Joshua. That's so, it. <laughs> there's... So it's, you're welcome for going It's divisions quickly. of land. Um, but again, not that, you know, is it less exciting to read than the first part? Yes. But it is also important because but it it's, kind of it's shows. But it's the fulfillment of God's promise of, of conquering the land they put their foot on. It's it's the fulfillment of what God has said for years upon years before he killed off a generation. He's like, I'm going to give you land. And so being able to divide it and see it being divided is the fulfillment of God's promise to his people. So the other he, thing if, too. And he doesn't change. So just to take it into today, yeah. if he promises something, he still fulfills it. It's as simple as that. So the other thing that I think is really helpful about it as well is that mm. if your if your stance is that this was all made up, um, this is not the type of thing that you see written into ancient it's myth. So true, because like you know the Iliad doesn't end with, and this is how Agamemnon governed for the rest of or what you know what I mean. The, yeah. it, these are details so that true. these are details that you're not putting into your your movie. These are just kind of like no, can it, you imagine a yeah. movie on the Book of Joshua? And that's how they would omit this part. True, um, but I think that's so much of the Old Testament history, that's how it reads, is it reads as actual historical documents. Mm -hmm. And some of it is interesting. Some of it's not as interesting, just like real history, (laughs) you know. Most of the world's history is not interesting. Yep. Uh, Did I say that? Oh, shoot. Well, you're not completely wrong. There's like interesting pockets that pop up. It's true. So finally, we get to the conclusion of Joshua's ministry. Um, At the end of Joshua's life, he gathers the elders and gives a speech reminding the people of the faithfulness of God. Very long speech. Oh, yeah. It's, I think it's all of the rest of the chapters, except for like a little uh, denouement at the end, if you will. So we have two excerpts from the speech. One, because it's some excellent foreshadowing for the rest of scripture. And two, because it's arguably the most famous passage of Joshua other than be strong and courageous. So. Aaron, do you have do you have a preference? No. What, do you want to go? You want rock paper scissors? It? All right, here we Whoever go. Whoever wins just gets one. to choose. All right. Our, ah. All right, Aaron gets to choose. Sweet, I'll go the first one. Let's do it. I'll give I'll give you the most famous one. That I was, won, by the way, by doing. We both did scissors first, and then I did scissors. He did paper. I cut them. That was really exciting podcast audio yes, for everyone. You're welcome for everything. I, I was hoping you were on pins and needles. We shouldn't have <laughs> said anything and just moved on and then let them wondering. Here you go. <laughs> Next time. All right, Joshua 23, 11 to 16 says this, be very careful, therefore, to love the Lord your God. Uh, for if you turn back and cling to the remnant of these nations remaining among you and make marriages with them so that you associate with them and they with you, know for certain that the Lord your God will no longer drive out these nations before you, but they shall be a snare and a trap to you, a whip on your sides and thorns in your eyes until you perish from this, off from this good ground that the Lord your God has given you. And now I'm about to go away from all the earth. And you know in your hearts and souls, all of you, that not one word has failed of all the good things that the Lord your God promised concerning you. All have come to pass. Not one of them has failed. But just as all good things that the Lord your God promised concerning you have been fulfilled to you, so the Lord will bring upon you all the evil things until he has destroyed you from 
off this good land that the Lord your God has given you. If you transgress the covenant of the Lord your God, which he commanded commanded you and go and serve other gods and bow down to them, then the anger of the Lord will be kindled against you and you shall perish quickly from off the good land that he has given you. That's awesome. I wonder if the Israelites do that. I don't know. I haven't, <laughs> I, this, I've only read this far into the Bible. So uh, from this point forward, it's brand new for me. So there you go. I'm just kidding. That's bad. Uh, bad joke. So in, yeah, in Judges, Samuel, Kings, Chronicles, we see the people of Israel continuously, um, they break covenant. Judges with God. in and of itself, is, all it is is a cycle of sin. That's it. Oh, yeah. A cycle of rebellion, a cycle of um, in servitude and bondage and defeat, and then a cycle of redeeming and freeing God's people only for them to rebel again. So there you go. That's Judges. Um, it's after Joshua, by the way. I do want to make one clarifying thing, just because it stood out to me when you were reading. Um, but when he's saying, uh, do not make marriages with the nations remaining among you. That's, I want to be, the way that we think of it today would be like, as Americans, we don't marry Canadians. We don't. Yeah. So, well, obviously that's true, but <laughs> no, <it's not. laughs> so, so, um, so yeah, it's not, it's not meaning that at all. Yeah. But yeah, cause we, we can look at the story of Ruth and what the big deal is, is not that Ruth was a Moabite. The big deal is that Ruth worshiped other gods mm -hmm. when she dedicates herself to the Lord, there's no objection given to when her and Boaz get yeah, married. Yeah, the moment she de dedicates herself to um, her mom or her mother, stepmother, mother-in-law, sorry. Um, what was her name? My goodness. Naomi. Thank you. Gosh. Hey, or or uh, Mara. But, the, but yeah, right. <clears throat> yeah, so depending on what name we want to be called. But the moment she said, I'm going with you, your people are now my people. Your God is now my God. She renounced all of her gods and all of the things she worshiped and knew growing up worshiping. And she then aligned her life in that moment to God of Israel, yeah. period. So, And it's just one of those things that I think it's hard to take. It's hard to read it in our modern context because um, you know, so in, true. in the United States, um, we're a majority Christian nation, but we're certainly not defined by our Christianity yeah. in the sense Especially of- Especially not anymore. Yeah. There's, there's tons of people with tons of different religions um, all living within the nation. Whereas in the ancient times, in this period, your religion was part of your national identity. Mm -hmm. So if you wanted to- if you were a Moabite and you wanted to worship God, you had to move. Yeah. You're, you're not staying there. So that, and that's kind of the way um, that, that and it's an unfortunate reality in some parts of the world. It still is that way. True. Um, if you renounce a certain religion or faith, you're either killed, ostracized. And I, I just read an article of someone getting burned alive because they renounced their faith and turned to Christianity. Um, but it's, it, it still does exist in the world as we live in, which is an unfortunate reality, but I think that just shows the continued human condition where it is hopeless and in need of a savior. So there you go. Um, and then finally, these are some of the last things uh, that Joshua says before his death um, in Joshua chapter 24, verses 14 to 15, it says, now, therefore, uh, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve this Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your father served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Am Amorites who's, in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And that last sentence is probably one that you have seen a lot. Oh, yeah. It's also, uh, it's just a great line. Hobby signs, all sorts of things. So Shout yeah. out to the Epsteins. They have it in theirs. Do they? The Epsteins estimated whatever their marriage date is, and then we will, we will serve for them. I miss them. They're okay. Come back from squim. Uh, so no Get one back here. No one outside of Washington knows what a squim is. So, but any, <laughs> yes. Uh, but anyway, yes. Yeah, right so, next to Spokane. Oh, how dare you? Um, 
And that's kind of the end of Joshua. There's a little denouement at the end, which I didn't uh, pull up the notes for, but Joshua dies peacefully. Um, It's not the same as Moses where like, you know, he was like buried by God off in the distance or anything like that. So uh, that is the end. So now we get to the Q&A portion that we promised in the last episode. Yes, we do. So we're going to have to power through really quick because I know Aaron has a heart out here pretty soon, but um, we're going to... That means I got to leave in a few minutes. Right. So... Just a quick reminder, leave us a review. It really yeah, helps please. out the podcast. It helps us get it out there to more people, continue to grow this community, uh, preferably of the five star. Um, but if you have, you know, if you have things that we can change or improve, please put those in the review as well, because we do read them uh, and they do mean a ton. So question one, uh, this is a really good question. It's really interesting. I never thought about it before. Uh, at the start of Exodus, Moses is taken in by Jethro, a Midianite priest. He marries Jethro's daughter, and later Jethro tells him how to set up the system of judges. But by the book of Numbers, Moses is told by God to exterminate all of the Midianites. So what happened from Exodus to Numbers, or was Jethro an oddball in Midian because he worshipped God and not Baal? So really interesting things. I, and I'm going to be honest, I did not know what I'm about to tell you. Uh, Midian was not a united nation. It was a group of tribes. So, hmm. which I always, I always thought of it as like the nation of Midian. But the, when I was looking into it, there's the, like the Moabites were considered Midianites. Um, it was just like a, a class of people essentially. So there's, Interesting. there's different tribes um, because Jethro's tribe, if you remember, is basically in the wilderness on the, uh, uh, is it the Sinai Peninsula? Is that what it's called? I don't remember. Where like Saudi Arabia is now. Um, I don't remember. I think it's called that. I don't remember. I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna sound really stupid now. So moving on, uh, but that's where Jethro's tribe is, and so I remember thinking because when I was studying, um, I was studying for a message where I was using examples from both um, Moses's life and from Gideon's life, and I remember thinking it was very odd that oh Moses is allied with the Midianites here, but by the time we get to Gideon, uh, the Midianites are actually invading Israel, and so this actually answers that as well. Yes, is it that is. it's not all. It's not like the way we would think of one nation. It's, yeah. it's a people group. So Interesting. It, the, there's a quick and easy answer to this. Number one, uh, the Midianites that are being talked about in numbers are the Moabites. And we know this because it references the story of Balaam. So if you remember, there's the king. Um, he brings Balaam in to prophesy and Balaam says no. Um, or he, I mean, he says yes, there's the donkey. All that different stuff, mm-hmm. basically. Which is a incredible story and, a, and, and, and incredible in story in and of itself. Absolutely. Go read it. But um, uses a donkey. It's crazy. Um, but anyways, so God is punishing, it seems like that specific group of Midianites, not all of the people group of the Midianites. So there you go. Um, the other interesting thing is that the, because the Midianites are also descended from Abraham, it, it makes sense. Um, and I forgot which book I read this in, but I thought it was a really interesting point. But it's true. Yeah. It would make sense that some of them would still be worshiping God yep. because they would have learned that from their ancestors in Abraham. So, so, good. so Jethro most likely belongs to that um, group of people. Yep. So there's a group of Midianites <laughs> there. Drop yeah. the mic on that one. It's well, fu- well done, Evan. It's funny because I struggled over that one. I was like, everything well, I'm looking, I can't, I can't really find the correlation. Because when you're thinking about it, it's like, what did happen? That's mm-hmm. so weird. And then it was like that one little tidbit. I was like, oh, well, now all of a sudden it all falls into place. Yep. So, but great question. Yep, I had never, brilliant. like I said, I never thought you, about you it. You just before. scratched Evan's, you know, research itch. Curiosity. All right. Uh, second one. Another question. 
I appreciate that the Grove, which is our our church's, the Grove Church, uh, encourages water baptism, but how does that correlate with Matthew 3.11, Mark 1.8, and Acts 1.5, which all basically say John baptized with water, but Jesus' baptism is with the Holy Spirit. So what part of scripture demands that baptism be via water, oh man, what part of scripture demands uh, baptism via water immersion? Is this an open-handed issue? Um, which I love using that, that great language. Question. Yeah. So, we use that a lot here in the podcast, open-handed versus close-handed. So to quote, I'll just quote one of them because the, like you said, they all kind of say, say the same thing. Uh, but Matthew 3.11 says, I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and mm-hmm. fire. Fire. So. Well, and even after that passage, I mean, just to even speak to some of the answers is he, Jesus himself got baptized. And so we as Christians follow Jesus' model of life. And so the reason why water baptism is such a, a big priority and a big value, I mean, even at the Grove Church, we say, you know, it's the biblical next step after conversion, after co- submitting our lives to Christ. It's, it's the next biblical step that everybody should take. Uh, and so we just see that through the whole water immersion is Jesus himself was was baptized himself. Um, and then he commands us to baptize others. And Matthew, at the end, in the Great Commission, before he goes and sends into heaven, he sends, hey, go into the, all the world, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, which is the water baptism model originally. And then the baptism of the Holy Spirit comes after that. Um, and so then there's an article in the Go- Gospel Coalition that I, um, I I thought I had copied and pasted from last week over here, but uh, apparently the article didn't paste, but this is the point, that, just to paraphrase it. Uh, paraphrase it, paraphrase it. Good paraphrase. Uh, good paraphrase. It says this, Jesus gets baptized to fulfill the call to obedience to God's will. When we get baptized, it's not just because he did, but we align our lives with him and then he baptizes us with his spirit. It's it's kind of this, this um, out of submission and obedience to follow in his steps is where that water baptism comes into play for us. So, Yeah. And like an, an easy way to, uh, to talk about this point, I suppose, as well, is when you look at Acts, um, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is happening, but so is water baptism. Yeah. So clearly... One doesn't replace the other. Right. It's not the sense of there was water baptism, but now there's baptism in the Holy Spirit, which is better and replaces it, but rather there is water baptism, and now there is yeah. also baptism in the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Um, and when, when John the Baptist is talking about it, I think what he's referring to is this idea that... Um, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is is seemingly now open to all believers. And if you, if you look at the Old yeah. Testament, what you see is, you know, for instance, um, Samson comes to mind where he'll say like, he picked up the jawbone of the donkey um, and then the spirit of the Lord came upon Samson and empowered him to do what he needed to do. And really Chosen that's people. what the baptism of the Holy Spirit is. It's an empowerment to do what God has called us to do, which for us as, as modern Christians is evangelism. It empowers us to... Yeah. Uh, to tell people about Jesus, to help them learn about Jesus, all those different things. Um, The open-handed issue, I think, is a really interesting way of putting it. So I would say it's pretty closed-handed in the sense of, is water baptism uh, uh, demanded in the Bible? I would say yes, um, because it... I, yeah, I would say it's commanded. I don't know how. Yeah, I don't. I can't think of a it's way. It's hard to, do to it say that it's not, an open-handed but... because I think, in some respects, New Testament reveals from Christ's model in life that it is something that we should all do as as followers of Christ. Right. It is. It is the next step. It is. We don't just say yes to Christ and then hey, our lives are great. But it's now because baptism also represents a public. It's a. It's going public with our faith in essence. It's saying I'm aligning my life with Christ. That also the symbolism of baptism is being dumped and fully immersed in water is a symbol of of the death that Christ lived, the death that we're aligning with, right. where we're dying to ourselves. And when we're risen again, as we now align our lives and live our lives according to the life Christ gives and directs. Um, and so in essence, it's, just, it's saying, 
baptism is an expression of picking up my cross and following him, of dying to myself, of living as if he is the director of my steps and I am yeah. uh, I'm the one that just goes with it because that's what he tells me to. It's, it's, a, it's a much bigger conversation than just some symbolic act. Uh, and so I, I mean, I might argue or say that it's, it's more of a close handed issue than it is open handed when it comes right. to full immersion and water baptism. But. So, I, and that's where I say, like, I think for sure it's closed handed mm-hmm. that water baptism is commanded. Open handed would be, I, I think, you know, for us in our denomination, uh, we believe that, um, water baptism is a choice we made as an adult. Other denominations believe that children, um, and even infants can be baptized. I can see how they get there. Like I've yeah. heard the arguments. I don't agree with it, but yeah. I think it is, it is open-handed. Yeah. Um, and even like the baptism of the Holy That's Spirit. That's a good way to put it. Um, even like the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you know, we believe we're a Pentecostal denomination. So we believe that it's an event that happens after salvation. Uh, whereas other denominations believe that it's an event that happens at salvation. Mm-hmm. Um, again, that's more open-handed. We believe one way I can see how you get there. I can see how you get the other way as well. Yeah. So that's where open-handed or where really what we mean is um, probably the Bible's not super duper clear on it. And I can see how you go either way. Close-handed is like, well, the Bible is very clear. It says it right here. Yeah. So that's and baptism kind of is very clear. Yep. Baptism is clearly commanded um, even in the book of Acts when the baptism of the Holy Spirit is active. Yep. And with that Good being point. said. Good questions. We're going to go ahead and wrap it up for this episode of Let's Read the Bible. Uh, We just want to remind everyone that we are a podcast of the Grove Church, but we're not the only podcast of the Grove Church. You can check out all of our resources at our website, grove.church. And we'll see you all next week. Have a good day.